Isaiah 26, and we'll see how. Ah, thank you, Lord Jesus. Isaiah 26. In Isaiah 26, let's look at verse 3 here. It says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. I want you to look at that word mind. All right? In the, uh, in the Hebrew, that word mind, it means imagination. One of the means is the imagination. See, your imagination, it, whether you understand it or not, is a, is a powerful tool in the right hand. Likewise, your imagination is a, wrong, is a bad tool in the wrong hands. All right? But you have to control your imaginations. And God was saying here, he said... Uh, you know, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose, whose imagination or their mind, their thought life, is stayed on thee. Now, another meaning for that word is conception. Conception. Well, what, what does conception mean? Well, conception means uh, there is something's giving birth. It's growing, right? You know, when, the, when a, a man and a woman get together and uh, the egg is fertilized with sperm, that's the moment they call conception. Meaning what? In nine months, there's going to be a birth. Right? Well, you got to think about the word along those lines. And if you start thinking about the word along those lines, you'll start seeing why your imagination is a powerful tool. Because it's going to birth something. Then those whose mind is stayed on the Lord, whose imaginations is stayed on the Lord, all right, they'll be in perfect peace. And actually, that, that scripture there where it says perfect peace in Hebrew, it says shalom, shalom, which is peace, peace. Double peace. Is it possible to have double peace? Oh, yeah, it is. it's possible to have double You'll have a peace that other people just don't understand. You know, if you've ever been around Christians, and I'm not saying, not, not you specifically, but, you know, you, you, you're around Christians or maybe you yourself. It's possible that, you know, you see people go through storms in life and it doesn't even phase them. Why? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, because they're in perfect peace. Their mind stayed on the Lord. They, because they trust in Him. That's what He says. Because He trusts in thee. All right? So peace, peace. And that's what I want to talk to you. That's a the title of the message today is your image of God, or you can say it this way, your imagination of God. How you think of God in your life determines what you're going to see produced. The, the enemy is always trying to put bad images in your life. And, you know, it even talks about it in some of the scripture where well, we can go there. Uh, go to Genesis chapter 6. The Bible says a lot about imaginations. Genesis chapter 6. Now, remember, this is Old Covenant.
In Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So man's imagination is the thing that he thinks of. Because, see, you, nothing happens in your life until you have, an, you have an image of it. That's what the word imagination means. You have an image in your mind. You know, I mean... Many of you, you have an image in your mind what you're going to do right after church today. Right? Whether that's going out to eat, and you've already got an image of what you're going to order, or, or maybe you're going to go home and fix, and you're really looking forward to fixing that meal. See, you've already got an image there. So you, you can't do anything without an imagination. Everything in your life operates off of that, an imagination that you have, that you picture in your mind. Now, you can't, the thing about it is, if you have a bad image in your mind, you can't cast that image out. So, you know, people struggle in, in, in areas of, uh, you know, the, of lust, uh, pornography, eating, food, you know, many things like that. And they have this image and they say, well, you know, Pastor, but I have this, I, this keeps bombarding my mind, all right? And what happens is people keep thinking, they dwell on those things, they think on those things, and so that's why it comes to pass. You know, it's, it's like this. If I say to you, words create an image, right? Let's, I, want you, I want you to picture this in your mind, because it's going to happen. Think of, a, think of a dog. Now, everybody's got a, a picture of a dog in their and. A lot of them is going to be a different dog. Now, think of a large dog. See, it's, it's art just changed. So if you had a small dog in your mind, it just, it just changed to a large dog. All right? So now, this large dog is a black dog. It's a large black dog. And collar around its neck. All right? And the large black dog that you're looking at with the red collar is wagging its tail. See the image that's, that's, that's in your mind right now? All right? See, that's what will happen, and, and it happens to us constantly, but we don't realize it. So if you want to change that image, all right, you don't talk about the large black dog with the red collar wagging his tail all the time. Because why? That image is going to stay there. So you've got to change the image. Otherwise, you're going to be thinking about a large black dog with a red collar on his neck and wagging his tail and looking at you. All right? You, you have that picture. You can't change that picture by thinking about that, that dog. You've got to think about something else. So, you know, you've got to think about something else that you, that you, that you like that's not bad for I'm not saying the black dogs, but I'm just showing you, giving you an example of of how the things of God works and what he's trying to say here. You know, so what do you do? You know, you think, you think of maybe that, that, that nice steak dinner that you're going to have later. You know, if, if, if steak is something that you like, if it's not, maybe it's, it's fried chicken. You think of a fried chicken dinner. All right? And what, what are all the fixings that's going to go with it? You're going to have mashed potatoes. You're going to have gravy. You're going to have a scoop of butter on that thing that's melting on there. All right, and you're going to have another, another vegetable. See, you're getting a picture about this. What happened to the black dog? Well, I'm thinking about the dinner. I'm not thinking about the dog anymore. What happened? 
The image in your mind was changed. And that's what God is saying in, in Isaiah. He says, Thou will keep him in peace, peace, whose imagination, all right, is stayed on thee. Why? Because it's trusting in thee. So what, how do we do how do we take that? Well, it's real simple. You take the, the word of God, whatever area you're struggling in. Maybe if it's um, if it's sickness, all right, you don't keep you don't keep this picture of this sickness in your head. And keep going over and over and over because it's not going to get any better. Because that's what you're focusing on. You've got to get healing scriptures out of the, out of the Bible. And that's what you meditate on. That's the image you have. You have to literally see yourself healed. Even though the doctor may have said, you're going to have this the rest of your life. All right? You have to change the image. I'm reminded of an old rock and roll song that, you know, the, the, the way the lyrics go, the, the way the lyrics went was, if you don't like what you see, just turn the pages. Turn the pages. And you really, that's kind of scriptural because if you don't like what you see in your situation, you're going to have to get and turn the pages and find what the Word of God says about what's happening in your life. All right? The Word of God says, while we look not at the things, see but we look at the things that we don't see because the things we see they're all temporary they're all subject to change right but we look at the things we don't see because those things are are eternal meaning they'll last forever that's what paul was talking about we look at the things that we don't see because that's where the life of god is in the realm of the spirit so whatever it is that you're going through, maybe it's not sickness, maybe it's finances or something like that, get, get scriptures that speak about increase in your life and, 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 and meditate on those. Because again, that word, that, word medita that word meditate is actually the word imagination. So when you, you med meditate on the word of God, what are you doing? You're imagining the word of God in your life. You're thinking about Isaiah 26, 3. Thinking about the Word of God, how He keeps me in perfect peace. Peace, peace. Because my mind is stayed on Him. I'm thinking about Him. I'm not thinking about all the distractions in my life. All the trouble that's trying to raise up itself and, and, and try to present it to me. All right? It doesn't mean I ignore those things. It means I trust the Lord. I, I look to the Lord because He has the answer on those, those things. I'm looking to him to say something. What do I do? You know, remember that back, back in the New Testament, Jesus said he could do nothing except he saw the Father do something or he heard him. Imagine the Son of God said he could do absolutely nothing unless he saw the Father do something or saw him say something. If Jesus did it, how much more should you and I do it? He was, what was he doing? He was waiting on the Lord. He's waiting on the Father to reveal to him what to do. So what? He had that picture in his mind. He had, he had that in his imagination. You have to see yourself getting on the other side of whatever obstacle the enemy has put before you. know, we've talked about faith, how important faith is. Yeah, faith, faith is what 
is what brings the promises of God to you. Now, now when you look at uh, in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, it says, Now abideth faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. All right? Because without love, your faith's not going to work and your hope's not going to work. But when you look at you look at that word hope, hope in the New Testament is really imagination. Uh, let, me, let me say it this way. Hope is this. Hope wrote it down here. Hope help me Holy Spirit. I know I wrote that thing down. Is your ability to anticipate a positive result Hope is your ability to anticipate a positive result in the future. Uh, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and hope is your ability to anticipate a positive result in the future. So look at hope this way. Hope is a type of your imagination because you have to have hope. And what is, what, what is hope? You have to, in order to have hope, you have to have found it that it is God's will. You have to find it in the Word of God that it is God's will to have whatever it is you're, 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 you're believing God for. Once you find the, the Scripture that it's in there, that it says it's God's will for you to be healed. Well, we know that, and there's many Scriptures that say that, right? So now I've got hope for that because... Here, it's scriptural. Now, how do I receive it? I activate my faith. I activate my faith. I say, Father, I believe that this scripture that says that by Jesus' stripes I'm healed, I believe I have received that right now. Because Jesus did it for me 2,000 years ago. So what do I do? I have this picture, this image in my head of, 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 of me being healed. You know, if I, if I have arthritis, and I don't, but I mean, if I, if I did, what would I do? I'd take that part of my body, and I'd start, I'd start moving it. Because faith without works is dead. You know, I'd start doing something I couldn't do before. Why? Because if I've received it, all right, active, you've got to activate that, and, and you can't activate it if you don't have this image and see yourself as being healed. Right? You, 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 you'll never, it'll never manifest because you don't see yourself as being healed. You see yourself as still being sick. Or you see yourself as still being broke. You see yourself, you're, you're never able to get the job that you think you deserve. Well, if you're going to get the job that you think you deserve, you've got to see yourself in that position. You're going to have to change. What, what did Paul say in Romans? He said, don't be conformed to the world's way of, being, of doing things, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You renew your mind, what happens to your image? It changes. Because you now see yourself getting that job that God wants you to have. You know, when you pray, and, and maybe the Lord says, this is the job that I have for you. In your mind, you might look at it and say, 
but I don't think I'm qualified for that. Hold on, hold on. If God told you this is the job I have for you, don't look to man to see if you're qualified. I mean, in the, in the job market today, there is such a lack of people wanting to work, they are putting people in positions that are not qualified. There's that kind of need out there. But see, a lot of people don't see that because they always see themselves how the enemy wants them to see themselves, as they're not qualified for that. They're not healed. Everybody else can get healed, but you can't because there's something different about you. See, you're going to have to change the image because it's God's will for you to be healed. It's God's will for you to prosper. It's God's will for you to walk in divine peace. You not have to worry about the neighbors and that they're making it around your house. That you, you are the one who's in authority. By anything you did, it's what he did for you. He gave you authority. He said, go out and have dominion over everything. Well, in order for me to have that dominion, I've got to have the right image in my head. Right? I've got to have the right image in my head. So that image that I have in my head, I, I, if, if I'm going to have peace, it better line up with the Word of God. You know, the world, our kids around here and grandkids, the world's out after them. The devil's out after them. If you're not teaching your kids how to, to have this image of God, that who they are in Christ Jesus, the world will teach them what they look like. And that's not good. I mean, the world right now is teaching kids that they can, that they may have been born a male, but they can become a female. They can become something else. No, you can't. There's two sexes. That's it. And if we don't teach our kids, we don't teach our grandkids, the world will. And you won't like the end of the result. Because for so long, parents have had this image. This is the image they've had. The schools are supposed to teach my kids. No, they're not. You teach your kids. You're the one that's responsible for teaching your kids. For The Bible says, raise up a child in the way he should go when he won't depart. It doesn't say take him and put him in a good school and let them raise him up. It, it tells us to raise our children up. All right, so we are responsible. And the image that you're presenting to your children and your grandchildren is having an impact on them. As a pastor, I see it. I see it in, 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 in all of our kids. And it's a good impact. It's not a bad one. This young lady right here, she has such a heart and hunger for God. She's only been here a few times, but see, it shows. She can't hide it. I mean, and not that she's trying to hide it, but it, it, it shows you know, in, in worship and her coming to church. She has a hunger for God. What does she have? She has a good image. Well, how'd that get there? Apparently, the, the, the parents have been instilling that in her, right? So see, the image that you have, that you, that you put in your mind, it's going to produce... Matter of fact, let's go to another scripture here real quick. Um, go to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to have to... 
It's getting a little warm in here. <laughs> I know it is. <laughs> Praise God. First Peter chapter 1. The Word of God's powerful. It'll put an image on you. And like I said earlier, what you want to do is, if you've got a bad image in your head, the way you get rid of it, you don't keep thinking about that image. You've got to get another image and replace it. And every time that image tries to come back up, you've you got to go back to that new image, the image of God, and put it in, and that's what you focus on. That's why, that's why you, 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 a, lot of, a lot of believers, they have these bad thoughts, they have bad dreams. Well, I mean, there's other, there's other things that can happen that cause you to have bad dreams. What are you watching on TV? Quit watching them shows that talk about the demonic realm and things like that. You're, you're picking up a spirit and you don't even know it. Focus on the things of God. In 1 Peter chapter 1, you there? Look at this here in verse 23. It says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. All right? You look at that word um, seed, and now in the Greek, that, that, word, that word seed in the, in the Greek is, a, is the word spora. Spora. It's where we get the word uh, spores, which is how plants reproduce. There's spores that are released, right? And they go and they, re, they reproduce. They, they produce another plant. But a, a sub-meaning of this word in the Greek is the word sperm. Sperma. It's where we get the word sperm. What is the sperm? Sperm is what fertilizes the egg. So, notice here, you were born again not of corruptible sperm, meaning corruptible sperm, meaning one that is going to falter or one that may, not, may work and it may not, but of incorruptible sperm by the word of God, which lives and abides. It lives and abides forever in you. So see, when you, when you take that word of God and that's what you have a picture of, you, you, you see yourself by his stripes I'm healed. You see the word says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, you know that you're a whosoever. So if I call on the name of the Lord, I will be saved. And you know that that word saved doesn't just, just mean that when I die, I go to heaven. It means I shall be delivered. I shall be healed. I shall have the peace of God. I shall have the wisdom of God. I know what to do. Because why? The word of God tells us that we have the mind of Christ. So see, don't let the devil convince you that you can't change that picture in your head because the Bible says you have the mind of Christ. So you can change that picture. Yes, you can. By what you do. By what you meditate on. And that you, you have to be mumbling to yourself all day. No, no, you just got a picture in your head. And, you, and you, you're talking to the Lord. Lord, I thank you that by his stripes I'm healed. I see that 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, Jesus, he, he was brutally beaten. For what? For my sickness. He paid the, that, he paid the price because 
He was a sinless man. That's why he was able to pay the price for my sickness, because he was, he was without sin. So I see that by his stripes, I am healed. And whatever is trying to get on me or try to get in me, it can't stay here. And I'm not going to let it stay. I see it leaving me. I see that right today, today's the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, today's the day. Look at your neighbor and tell him, today's the day. Now look at your other and tell him, today's your day. Amen. Amen. Praise God. See, you, you start changing that picture, what you see, and you start seeing a different image. And really that image that's starting to come into play is the image of God in your life. The image of God in your life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's go to um, Romans chapter 4. Romans 4. Y'all ever heard of this guy called Abram? Abraham? Yeah. <laughs> Once or twice? <laughs> Romans chapter 4. In Romans 4, and we'll pick it up in um, verse 18. Speaking of Abraham, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Now notice here in verse 18, it says, who against hope, Believed in hope. The natural way was to go against hope. But he believed in hope. What did he do? He had an image. That he was what? To be the father of many nations. When God spoke to Abram, his name was Abram the first time. And God said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And when he first spoke to Abram, he was in a tent. And God said to Abram, come outside here. Abram had to get up and do what? Go outside. He said, now look up. And he looked up. He said, tell me what you see. He said, I see a lot of stars. He said, can you count them all? He said, no. Uh, there's too many out there to count. He said, as, the, as there are stars in heaven, so shall your seed be. I am making you a father of many nations. And I'm changing your name from Abram, which was the father, to Abraham, which is the father of many nations. So every time God called Abraham, he heard the father of many nations. The father of many nations. Anytime that, that Abraham come around his wife or anybody else, and they were calling him Abraham, here's what he heard, because me, names had meanings. And your name, I mean, you, you look up your name, and I'm sure everybody in here has done it. You've gone and looked, up. what's the meaning of your name? All right? Well, back in that day, and see, it's important because names, the meaning of names are as important because it develops a picture. Every time Abraham heard his name called, all he heard was the father of many nations. Father of many nations, I need your help. Father of many nations, come and help me. Father of many nations, come and look at this. Guess what, guess what image he's getting in his head? I am the father of many nations, even though 
His wife was far beyond childbearing years, and he's close to 100 years old. And you remember the rest of the story how they actually tried to help God out. And so Sarah gives Abraham to her maid, and they go out and they create Ishmael. And Ishmael is where the Arab nation comes from. And they've been fighting ever since. They've been fighting ever since. You see, it's a family issue. It's a family issue. But God told him, he said, no, no, no. He said, the seed will come from you. And Sarah, your covenant. So they believed God. And Sarah got pregnant. And Isaac was born. And from there, it just continued to multiply. But see, God told Abraham, I am making you the father of many nations. And so he believed in hope. He changed the image. All right, look at verse 19. It says, and not being weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. See, Sarah's way beyond childbearing years. See, and, and a lot of times when God says something to people, what they would, you know, thank God that Abraham and Sarah, they didn't have Google back then. Because you imagine Sarah would go, let's Google up, let's Google up and see who's the oldest woman that had a child. Well, somebody in, in Africa had one at 78 years old. Well, I'm way past 78. I, it's not possible. See, that's the picture that you're going to get. And so that's why it took so long is because God had to wait for Sarah and Abraham to get the picture change in their head that's saying that I am the father of many nations. I am going to produce a child. When science says you are far beyond... Oh, come on now. Since when do we really pay attention to science? Like God is saying, oh yeah, they're way past childbearing age. I, I couldn't possibly make her have a baby. Yet we see people getting testimonies of people that have bad hearts and they get a brand new heart. They have lungs that are, that are bad. Brand new lungs. Well, how's that possible? Because science can't explain that. And that's what Abraham did. All right? He, he, he considered not his own body. Now, Abraham considered not, in other words, he did not consider things that were contrary to God's word. He didn't look, he didn't look to Google to see how it's going to happen. Was it possible? Is there anybody around that's 100 years old and has just had a child? He didn't consider that. Because why? That changes the image. The image that you have and you need in your head is the one that God told you through His Word or He literally spoke to you. And that's what you hold on to. See, that, that's why I've said this, this Word here, the Bible, and the Bible says it, is alive. It is alive. When you look into this Word, there's something powerfully supernatural that takes place. The power of God comes off these pages, 
comes into your spirit, into your body, and it changes how you see things, it changes how you hear things, and makes you alert to the ways of the devil so that you don't fall prey to him. But it only happens because you are focused in this word. You're reading the Bible. You're taking that word. It's becoming part of you. You're speaking it out of your mouth. And it's changing that, that image that you have in your head from a negative one to a positive one. It's an incorruptible seed. It can't be changed. So see, when you speak the word of God to somebody, you have just now impregnated them with the word of God. Boy, if the news media got a hold of that one, would they really try to rip the church apart? You know, Christians are going out and you're trying to impregnate people? Yeah. yeah. It, it's what the word says. We go out and we speak to somebody the word of God and it's an incorruptible seed that goes into them. Incorruptible meaning it's going to produce. If, you, if any of you in here like to farm or garden, you know when you go and buy seed, if you buy them by the packet, if you look on the back, it'll tell you what the that has a percentage of success rate. It may say these seeds here have a 75% success rate, meaning out of 100 seeds, 75 of them are going to produce that plant. The 25, no, it's, there's 25 in there, nothing is going to happen. Or it may say 80% or 90 whatever. This is 100%. It's 100%. So when you speak the word of God to somebody, you put the imagination of God in the, into their body, into their spirit. So don't get distracted or disheartened because you've planted a seed in somebody and they're not doing what the Bible says. Or maybe they did it for a little while and then they stepped back. Well, they just fell down and went boom, boom. That's all they did. You planted an incorruptible seed in them. It's going to come up. It will. But see, the devil wants you to get a different picture. He wants you to get the picture of, well, they fell away. Now, now they're going to hell. We don't need to help him out. We need to say, no, no, no devil, uh, we ha they have been planted with the incorruptible seed of They're coming back. They're coming back. The world's not going to have my kids. God has my kids because we're putting the incorruptible seed of God into them. The devil's not going to have my grandkids. Why? Because we're, I'm putting the incorruptible seed of God into them. And it will produce. And they will walk with the Lord Jesus all the days of his life. You will fulfill the plan of God in your life, Jalen. You will. Yes, you will. You will fulfill the plan of God he has for you. And you hear his voice. And the voice of a stranger you will never follow. You won't follow him. You won't. You'll follow the voice of God. See, what am I doing? I just planted a seed. He just got impregnated with the Word of God. It's going to produce. It's going to produce. That's the power of what, we're, what you have here.
But see, the devil is always trying to get you to change the image that you have of the Father. He's trying to... That's why, that's why the storms come. Remember when Jesus is on the boat and the storm comes and he's in the back of the boat sleeping? So Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat and the disciples get all in fear. So Jesus, wake up, get up. Don't you care that we're perishing? Well, what did he just say a little while before that? He, he got in the boat and he said, let us go to the other side. He didn't say, I hope we can get to the other side. He said, no, we're going to the other side. So he fell asleep. So the storm's raging and they wake him up, get him out of the back of the boat. And he spoke directly to the storm. He said, peace be still. What that word peace means? It wasn't peace. Here's what literally he did. He looked into the storm and he went, Shh. and the storm stopped. Let's look at what that word means. He went, Shh. be quiet. And the disciples said, what manner of man is this? And Jesus looked at his congregation, his congregation of 12 men, and said, you have no faith. No faith. You imagine that in today's society? Pastor tells his congregation, all 12 of them, they have no faith. They get mad and they're offended and they walk out. The disciples didn't. Why? He was telling them the truth. Because if they had had faith, they'd have released it. But you can't release something you don't have. So he was teaching them, you've got to have faith. Later on in Mark 11, uh, 22, he says, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have the image of God. He said, all authority have I given unto you. Go out. Proclaim the gospel. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. He didn't say anything about, like we said before, going out praying for people. No, he said, you go out and you proclaim it. You tell things, peace be still. We had a storm the other night. It was coming our way. My wife, as I went to bed, she said, well, we're going to have storms tonight. I said, no, we're not. I command these storms to go around this area in the name of Jesus. They're not coming here. We'll have rain we're not having storms. And they moved. See, we've got more authority than we realize we have. We just don't exercise it because what? We've got an image in our head that is one of defeat, being defeated. You've got to change how you see yourself. And the only way you can do that is through the Word of God. You've got to see what it says in the Word of God. All these, all these young ones here, you know, they've got dreams, and some of them are just beginning to dream. 
They've got a, they've got a dream of, of what their future life is going to be. And see, you've got a lot to say. The church has a lot to say to that. And we teach them through the Word of God to, to dream the Word of God. Girls, as you grow up, don't just believe God for a husband. You better be specific. You better believe God. You say, I, Father, I want a husband that loves you more than he loves me. That's not a bad thing. You, that's what you want. Because a, a, a man that does not fear God will disrespect you, will not honor you. But a, God, a man that fears God, he'll honor you because God's word says for him to honor you. And the young men are the same way. Don't just believe God for a wife, but start believing God. Have, get a, a, an image of a godly woman, a godly young woman that you'll meet that loves the Lord and loves the Lord more than she loves you because you'll have a peaceful relationship. Because I'm telling you, once you get married, a few years into this thing, the looks go away. The looks don't matter anymore. The looks don't matter. It's all about relationship. And it happens sooner rather than later. And if you don't have the right relationship, it, it, it's, it, it literally can be a hell on earth. But God doesn't want you to experience that. He wants you to have peace, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. He'll keep you in perfect peace whose mind is what stayed on the Lord. So see, if my mind stayed on the Lord, what are you believing for? You're believing for a godly spouse, someone that is filled with the Spirit of God, that is on fire for the things of God. Because that, that's how they're going to treat your children. Think about that. Whether you're, you're a boy or a girl, your spouse is going to treat your, ch your children that you have together how they are in life. If they're godly and they love the Lord, they're going to be good to your kids. They're going to love them. But if, if they don't have a relationship with the Lord, look at the life that that child will be raised in. I, I, I work with someone, I won't say who they are, but they came to me one time and, and uh, this person is in a very difficult marriage. Their spouse, I'm watching what I say because I, I don't want to go one way or the other. Their spouse is always threatening them. And this has been going on for years and years and years. I talked to them about coming to church, but, you know, people got to figure that out. But this person told me that one of their daughters said to them one day, I don't ever want to get married. I don't ever want to get married. Why? Look at the example they have. Mom and dad are fighting constantly putting each other down. And it's more so one than the other, but it takes two to tangle. The seed's planted. Now you've got a child that, that is in formative years, already has the idea, I don't ever want to get married. What kind of future do they have? It's not a good one right now. I mean, God can turn that around. Don't get me wrong, God can turn it around. But see, we should not have children that are experiencing that. 
Your children should go, grow up in a loving home, having an image of you and your, your, your spouse loving each other and loving God so that what? They see that's the pattern. They recognize that's the pattern. That's the pattern for peace because they see that in their home, they have peace in their home. Oh, I know it may get wacky at times, but there's still peace because they're going to school with kids that they don't have peace in their home. I know some of you parents, you, you know what I'm talking about. But see, the way we produce that in our homes is we have the image of God. It's an incorruptible seed. And we're constantly planting that. We're planting that and we're visualizing that. Amen? Glory to God. y'all get something today? Praise God. Well, we're going to do communion. Brother Tim, if you could pass out the elements. Huh. You know, in Proverbs 23, you don't have to turn there, but it says, a man thinketh in his heart. So is he. As you think in your heart, so are you. Because what do you do? How you think in your heart is going to produce an image. It's going to produce an image. You can't get away from that. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, make sure the pastor gets the easy peeled one. <laughs> Just give you a moment to, to get your element, prepare your elements. You know, and, and by while you're doing that, by revelation, you know, Jesus, Jesus came to Paul and he and he showed he manifested it to Paul. So that's why in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul talks about this. He says in verse 23, you don't have to turn there, just listen. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread. And then he goes through this, what we're about to read here. But I want to drop down here for a, for a minute. Um, into verse 27, he says this, Wherefore, soever, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself. In other words, he brings judgment. And it says, not discerning the Lord's body. Verse 30 says, for this cause many are weak, many are sickly among you, many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Here's what that means. Paul was saying, when you partake of communion, judge yourself. And don't take of it in an unworthy manner. Discern the Lord's body. How do we discern the Lord's body? Well, we understand what it means. When we take this bread here, this bread does not represent his body. Jesus said, this is my body. When he, when he did the Last Supper, he said, this is my body. 
take and eat of it. What, what does his body represent? His body actually, his, his body represents healing. All right, so if, if this is his body, if this is Jesus' body, and it is his body by faith. I don't believe it becomes his body. It is his body by faith. When I take this bread and I put it in me, it becomes part of me. So everything that was part of Jesus becomes part of me. So think about it. Jesus doesn't have any sickness on him. He's in perfect peace. He has his own mind. So he know, he, he, think about that. So when I take this bread, if, if, if sickness is in your body, you should have an image of yourself being healed because the power of Jesus' blood running through your body destroys sickness. It, it, it destroys it. You have heard Christians say, well, if Jesus would come here and pray for you, here he is, here he is, this is what we're doing. All right, the reason why many are sick and weak is because they don't discern the Lord's body. This is it. This is his body. When you put it in you, you're healed. The same thing, he took the cup of his, his blood and he said, this is my blood which is shed for you for the remittance of sins. Not only am I healed, but I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So sickness can't stay in my body now. And the devil that keeps beating you up about, well, what did you do yesterday? No, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. The blood of Jesus forgave me, forgave me for everything. And I stay forgiven because if I do mess up, I repent. I ask him to forgive me, and he does. So I stay. Matter of fact, the Word of God says if we'll walk in the light as Jesus is in the light, we have fellowship with him. If we walk in the light as he's in the light, then we fellowship with the Father. The blood of Jesus continually is washing you of sin. Sin can't even, I mean, think about it. You've got an eternal hose that just hoses you down of sin. Sin tries to get on you. Here's that hose again. Shh, it just knocked it off. It just knocked it off. Power. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, Father, I call these people blessed. I call them head, the head, not the tail. Father, everything they put their hands to prospers. They walk in supernatural peace by the revelation of the word that you've given to us today, that the image that they have in their mind is they meditate on you and your word. In Jesus' name, I call it done. Amen and amen.